Hey, it's Joyce. Every week, I have the chance to chat with an interesting, inspiring human and to share that conversation with you. Join me as I walk and talk with entrepreneurs, adventurers, and all sorts of people who are working hard to empower women and make the world a better place. Now listen, this is not some highly polished, formally produced podcast. It's just two humans out for a walk with the chance to learn from each other. So lace up your sneakers, head out the door, and join us. Hey everyone, Joyce here, welcoming you to today's Walk and Talk, where our guest is Stephanie Shaw. Stephanie is a podcast, words today, podcast host. I just, we need a word like podcast host that's one word, post, anyway, a nutrition strategist who specializes in supporting women through midlife and through menopause. Her podcast is Hello Hot Flash, where I have been a guest and had a fantastic time. Stephanie is an educator by nature, and she took the strategies that she learned from an illness and turned them into a nutrition coaching and online education business, where she helps women manage this stage of life. So Stephanie, welcome. Thanks for being here today. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this conversation. So I want to try to avoid the the tendency that I'm having right now to just literally pick up on the conversation we started several weeks ago, because like, I just want to keep going with all the things that we were talking about. Um, It was amazing. I know. To be kind to the people who haven't had the opportunity to get to know you the way I have, can you share a little bit about your background and what brought you to do the work that you do and why a focus on women in midlife? I know that's like four questions baked into one, but just start with a little bit of your history and journey. Oh yeah, sure. So again, thanks so much for having me. So my background is in corporate communications. I ran a nonprofit for a while. Um, and so did the corporate gig, you know, life, life was all good. And right at the end of um, actually running my nonprofit in 2017. It was March 23rd. I was in New Orleans on a business trip and I like stepped on um, to Bourbon Street, no joke, and felt like I was having a stroke, like my body started to break down. And in a matter of 24 hours, I was in two ER rooms. And over the course of two years, I mm-hmm. ended up at 18 different doctors two world-renowned medical facilities, so again, if I say the names, you would know them, (laughs) four states and $20,000 out of pocket, like what (laughs) is going on? My hair was falling out, my hands and feet were tingling, twitching in my eyes, rapid heartbeat after I ate, Um, that my body was completely breaking down. And Joyce, the craziest thing ever, 18 doctors, including gynecologists, no one ever mentioned menopause. <laughs> what? Of course. I know. It, it's I crazy. Know, it is so crazy. Dermatologists, cardiologists, um, even my holistic folks that I ended up going to, no one mentioned menopause. So that was my journey. I, I spent the time. I actually found a naturopath who was a chiropractor who helped me on the journey. But um, through the course of that journey, I kept it private. I'm like, you know, kind of ashamed. I couldn't drive for two months um, because of anxiety. It was, it was a lot. 
and the, when I started to come out of it, I started to talk to people about it. And they're like, oh, wait, what happened to me? Oh, I had this symptom. Did you have that? And I started comparing notes and started to understand that this conversation was not happening enough. There was shame behind the conversation and also a lot of confusion. So that's what led me to think, hmm, more people need to hear about my journey, know that they're not alone, and they need some really helpful, easy-to-follow solutions in order to help them as they navigate menopause. So that is why I am talking to you today. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like the conversations have gotten better and more robust and a little bit more open thanks to women like you as well as others who have started to kind of embrace this conversation. But I'm curious from where you sit, do you agree? Like, are we talking about it more? Uh, and is the kind of knowledge base getting better? Yeah. So I think there's kind of the the star impact, you know, Oprah's conversation and uh, other folks who are talking about it. So I think that there's this, um, and I'm probably more aware of it because that's the world that I'm in, but I think there's this base conversation. Oh, I had this and it impacted me. Girl, how did it impact you kind of thing? I don't think we're going deep enough. Um, mm-hmm. So so to answer your question, no, I don't think the conver- the real conversations are happening this is me i'm a uh, hate to proclaim the fact that i'm this a type you know again did corporate america for such a long time founded a nonprofit, very successful with it and this took me out so those mm-hmm. conversations i don't think are really happening at the level they need to happen um there so we're you know especially in the united states diversity inclusion they're hiring dei managers um uh, large corporations are focused on equity inclusion for everyone, but they're not talking about women as as menopausal <laughs> women specifically. So to answer your question, we're talking about it. I just don't think I think it's still very surface level, and we need to step the conversation up. Make sure that employers are making it part of their policy. Make sure that um, as women we recognize the signals. We don't allow our doctors to tell us, oh, you know, you're just having a bad day and that we take control because there are some easy ways to help you navigate menopause. So I'm listening a little bit to your story and we haven't talked about this piece of it, but I wonder as far as all of the anxiety you had around this, do you feel, and maybe it's impossible to look back, but do you feel like some of that would have been ameliorated had you known what was going on, right? Was, was some of the anxiety around the unknown? Because that's how I would be. Yes, it one, was 100% around the unknown. So I'd never experienced anxiety before. And I've said openly several times, people don't know that in my head, I was thinking about them. I'm like, why are they anxious? Just tuck it up and get it done. Kind of thing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's who I was. I apologize to you guys. You don't know who you were, so I was talking about you in my head. <laughs> so I believe that, yes, it was 100% related. So the anxiety for me got so bad that um, I could, my mom, who was, was she 80 then? She was either 79, 80-ish. 
um, she had to drive me to the grocery store and like kind of hold my hand up and walk me around the store and put the groceries in the car. Um, I was at the point, my, my, it was my son's senior year. I, I have to give a disclaimer. He was academically sound and it was during his, um, his like study hall period, but I was pulling him out of school, um, probably about once a month to, to drive me different places because I couldn't drive. So yes, the anxiety for me was completely related to the fact of I could not figure it out and no one was helping me. If you go to 18 different doctors and that, that was different doctors, that's not the number of times that I went, nor the number of ER visits, and they can't find anything, you start to think, oh my gosh, it's one of those stories where you have cancer or you have some type of a rare heart disease that they can't find. And it almost got to the point where I definitely didn't want to get diagnosed with something, but it almost felt like some days, like, if you just tell me, then I can yeah. through kind of thing. So, yeah, and um, I believe that anxiety is real. Anxiety can, <laughs> can go to the next level when you can't find a solution, and especially when, as because there's so many different symptoms to perimenopause, you can't kind of nail it down. Um, yeah, it's, it's super, super impactful for women. Yeah, yeah, I think for people, maybe it's all people, but certainly for women like you and I, if you just tell me what it is and tell me what I can do, and this is your mission, right? Tell me what I can do to help ameliorate what's going on so at least I have some sense of control, but also yeah. so I don't think in the middle of the night every night that I have something and I'm dying. <laughs> I know, right? I so I'm I'm telling you I was on Google WebMD. Uh, I, I even started reading like the deep medical uh, stuff. Like I'm like I don't know what this word means, but let me Google that word. I I was doing research upon research, and my solution was so again I found a naturopath chiropractor. He took one urine analysis and said these foods are not working for your body. These foods are working for your body, change the way you eat, move your body more, and you'll be fine. I mean, it was just that quote unquote simple. I'd listen to him to, I, I probably, because of my personality, I probably went way to the opposite side, but I was very serious. I listened, I did exactly, um, actually he gave me a two-pager. So I, I created a more detailed, um, of exactly what I needed to do, how I need to eat. And then in six months time, I was fine. Now, some people may say six months, that's a long time, but you know, you have 50 years worth of baggage. So I did a, a serious detox to get all the gluten and the sugar and all the other toxins in my body, what I put on my face and hair and so forth. Um, so again, my, it, it became a simple process. It became a process that people can easily implement it's just a matter of your willingness to move forward in it. And, and, I, and I will give the caveat. For every woman, it's not that simple. I do know some women that have tried to go down that route, and they still needed HRT, or they still needed something in addition. Um, but if it's a, more of a base perimenopause, um, changing the way that you eat and move can support your, your um, journey. And really interesting research now about hormone replacement therapy and when it's useful, like I missed the window. I mm -hmm. totally would have done it for a couple of years, but I missed the window because nobody told me. 
So this sort of goes to the whole conversation around not only are we not having the conversations, and I'm reflecting on this as I'm talking, so I'm sort of thinking aloud, Stephanie, bear with me, but I feel like from my perspective, the conversation is getting better. There is more of it. People are being more open, but it's really late. Like people Mm. in their mid fifties are talking about it. Like who in the world is talking to the 44 year olds or the 42 year olds who are starting to experience these hormonal changes and literally have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree with that. And I'm going to challenge you even on that. Who's talking to the teenagers and the 20 year olds who, if they set the course right, won't have as many problems as we would have potentially had. Because it's not just, so you're 30, 35, and you become perimenopausal. I want people to start thinking about what you do even before you get there. Because there's a lot of young women who have endometriosis, a lot of young women who are having difficulties getting pregnant, or they're um, bleeding heavily and so forth. The, The time to start taking care of your body is at birth. Kind of thing, you know, if we want to get that deep about it, we need to go back even further, I think. Yeah, for sure. And one thing you left off the list, which is near and dear to my heart, uh, is bone density. So, mm-hmm. in order to protect your bone density, the key window to really build as women your bone density is in your early 20s. I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's a, it's a, it's a funny because, um, I have my, my youngest son's 23 and, you know, he'll eat a burger or whatever. I'm like, you better, even though he's a male, you better stop that. You only have like 10 more years where you can eat that burger in front of greasy <laughs> Because we think, um, as women and men, we think that, you know, we, because we're young, we have time to get it right and so forth. And I no doom or gloom or saying that you need to be on this strict diet your entire life, but operating with the mindset of balance in what you do, not eating the burgers and fries and greasy food five nights a week or the sweets five nights a week, but balancing the way that you eat earlier in life is definitely going to help you when you become perimenopausal because I didn't have, I had somewhat of a balance. I, I did eat pretty healthy, but I also had an addiction to sugar. And I honestly believe that that sugar addiction um, exacerbated all of my perimenopausal problems. Um, I, w- I want to circle back to uh, the sugar conversation real quick in a second, but I just want to share your pain because I have mm-hmm. a 22-year-old who eats mm-hmm. burgers and fries like <laughs> I think three times a week. And I just <laughs> shake my head and I don't know what to say. You know, yeah. like this is going to catch up with you, but God, they don't listen at that age. <laughs> they don't. They don't. I'm not sure I would have either. I'm like, it's and it's even harder for me and even for my kids too, because they're like built nice still and muscular and they go to the gym and work out. Yeah. I was always yeah. thin. So I'm like, ah, oh, you know, just some, just some pizza. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Let's talk about sugar because I think sugar is a, a way bigger problem than many of us recognize. So Sort of what were your sugar habits before you went on this journey and kind of what are your sugar habits now and what do you recommend for kind of the average bear because avoiding all sugar is really hard. 
It, so three is. questions baked into that, starting with kind of what was your sugar journey before or your sugar situation before? Yeah, so I was uh, I was the kid who went and stayed the summers in Alabama with my grandma. And our love language, I mean, this is like five, six, seven years old, was cooking. And part of that cooking was her homemade chocolate cakes, or we would go pick fresh blackberries and go come home and make blackberry cobbler. So like I grew Yum. up on... <laughs> I know, right? I can actually, so this is probably almost 50, close to 50 years ago. I can still taste that blackberry cobbler. I actually have her, her um, chocolate cake recipe hanging up in my kitchen. So that, that's how much of an impact, that was our connection. That was part of our, our love language. So I associated that love language um, of sugar throughout my life. Like, oh, I'm fat. Let's eat something. Oh, I'm happy. Let's eat something sweet. Oh, we're celebrating. Let's eat something sweet. So it, it was embedded into the way that I live. And again, it just simply became an addiction. I, I was talking to a client actually about that. Like, uh, it, it's important to understand that if food is part of your um, family traditions or so forth, recognize that the tradition is still there the joy and love is still there but if it's food that's killing you try to remove it so my, my addiction started early um i was able to transition through it because i was so sick and so determined to heal my body as naturally as possible and when i started to understand that sugar could cause high blood pressure inflammation uh, diabetes liver disease when i started to understand how it actually impacts the body um, I just, I, I came to myself and started to recognize that I needed to remove it. I also started looking at every, I know everyone can't do this, but I mean, you know, your salad dressings, your condiments, your, just pretty much everything has sugar in it because a lot of things are, are processed. So starting to understand where the sugar was uh, located. And then again, I, I just made a conscious decision to remove it. I would say for people who are struggling with that to start the process slow and just start um, replacing um, some of your processed foods with all more all natural foods. And what you will find is like golden kiwi is so sweet. I can't even eat a mango because it's so sweet. And I didn't even yeah. understand or couldn't even taste that because I was letting sugar um, dull my palate you will find that when you start to remove that sugar from your body, other natural sugars will step up and you'll be able to eat a beet and be like, oh my gosh, that beet was so sweet and good. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Are I you, all the so are you zero processed sugar, like none in your world? I am not. So I have cycles. So like right now, I'm, I'm just like, okay, I, I need a little cycle. I got to, you know, do some zero processed sugar for a week or two. So I'll do things like that. Um, but then a, a normal day for me is trying to make as much food as I can so I can control the sugar intake. But if we go out to eat, I just don't worry about it kind of thing. So it, it becomes this more of a balance versus a complete avoidance because as you said earlier it's super hard to completely avoid all sugar i think when you live a balanced life and the scale leans more towards the elimination of or decrease of um processed foods and sugars then you can you can live a happy life and, and cut down on the, the the menopause and the 
like I don't have hot flashes unless I go completely crazy and start eating a bunch of sugar. <laughs> so I think that's an that's an important point because I, I sometimes when you when people look at this idea um, and it's no processed sugar anywhere, I, we have many of us have a little bit of an all or nothing mentality. And if the sense is, I could never do that, like I couldn't be no sugar ever, so why even bother trying? And I think the message around less is better, less right. helps. Right. Um, and the other I, thing I, for me, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I wonder if this is something that you have experienced or you see with your clients, just staying on the sugar thing for kind of one more one more beat, no pun intended. Um, I find if I eat sugar, I crave more sugar like a wild animal. Yeah, it's so true. Sugar and gluten as well. So I had a business meeting yesterday morning. I usually eat before I go and I'm like, ah, I'm not hungry. I probably should, shouldn't, whatever. I went to the meeting, ate at the restaurant and I had um, like a whole grain sandwich with an egg on it. But that whole grain that bread had gluten and sugar in it. The, it messed up my entire day yesterday. I had to like overthink about every single thing because I had started my day off wrong. So you're exactly right. Once, once you, it's a drug. <laughs> so once you get a hit, then you're going to want to keep getting more and more hits. So starting that your morning off with um, a higher protein with no sugar, um, no gluten potentially if you can uh it's going to help you be more balanced throughout the day and it's not going to to trigger that that in your blood that that dopamine hit that you need it, it won't be triggered as much if you're you're not you start your day off right uh, let's talk a little bit about breakfast because I, my experience mirrors yours in that if i start the day wrong i am just I'm playing catch up all day and feeling kind of crappy. Um, mm -hmm. What are some kind of go-to, nobody has a lot of time in the morning. You know, yeah, it would be great if we did all of our meal planning and our food prep on Sundays. And I'm sure you have clients who, but for those of us who are not able to do that, what are some fairly easy kind of breakfast go-tos? If we're avoiding so grains and gluten and sugar, like, most of the American breakfasts are off the table. So what are we left with? But first, we need to redefine the breakfast because it is mm -hmm. to break a fast. So mm -hmm. you do not necessarily need pancakes, bacon, uh, and whatever else in a blueberry muffin in the morning. So stop thinking. You don't necessarily need to think about breakfast in the, that category. Uh, I've started the morning with a really good mushroom soup. Uh, I've started the morning with some vegetable broth. I've started the morning with quinoa. Quinoa in the morning is really amazing. Quinoa with some spinach on top. So thinking differently about what breakfast looks like. Um, and that's quick too, because batch cook your quinoa, grab some out. You can eat it cold or you can, you know, uh, warm it up on top of the stove and rinse off your spinach and throw that on the top while you're washing your face, come back and it's all done for you. Um, we eat a lot of boiled eggs around here because I honestly, I do have time for breakfast in the morning, but it's all the mindset thing. I'm like, ah, I don't have time. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So um, we will eat boiled eggs in the morning. Um, I don't eat meat, and sometimes I'll I teeter between uh, vegetarian and vegan. Just depends on the mood that I'm in. So if, I, if I'm in a vegan type mood for that week or a couple of days, um, chickpeas are awesome in the morning. So think of whatever you would do to an egg, do to your chickpea, so you can mash it and put spinach on top and some smoked paprika or roast them in the oven. So again, think differently about what breakfast looks like. Uh, and there's some easy, quick solutions to help you get started. But starting off, breaking that fast from your overnight sleep is super important. And on one other thing I would also say to folks, when you wake up in the morning, you want to make sure that your body is a little more alkaline. So I do one of two things. I'll do some apple cider uh, vinegar and water with room temperature or warm water and, and or I'll squeeze a little bit of lemon in water. I'm t- you would be completely amazed how your cravings for the day just seem to subside when you're doing something like that. This is really a stupid question, so forgive me because I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, I've never done the lemon, squeeze of lemon in my water in the morning, but I think it might be a nice thing to add to my life. It has to be a fresh lemon, right? I can't use the lemon in the little plastic lemon thing, can I? Yeah, please do not use the lemon in the little plastic lemon thing. Yeah. (laughs) Fresh is best. Fresh lemon. Fresh lemon. And, you know, so a lot of people are like, I squeeze it, and then there's nothing else to do with it. I will put it in my dish disposal and, like, like beat it up, and then the whole the kitchen starts to smell fresh with your leftover lemon. So there's always a, nice. a way to <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, this idea of reimagining what is appropriate breakfast food is so interesting to me because if you leave this country, there are many other countries who actually eat food for breakfast. And it seems to me Mm -hmm. that if you pause, and this is, I think this is exactly what you were saying, I'm just putting it in my own words, if you pause when you get up in the morning and you think, I am breaking a fast, what Mm -hmm. is the first thing I would like to put into my body? And if you just Mm -hmm. stop and ask yourself that question, I think you're hard pressed to say like lots of chemicals, bleached flour and sugar that's what my body wants first (laughs) i know right and i think you you you, the key word you said was pause because that's what we don't do a lot of times we do not pause and think about how we we need to set intentions for the day and that's exactly what happened to me yesterday morning i got there i love the restaurant i'm like i'm gonna have their sandwich i never pause to think Oh, what is this going to do the rest of my day? Three quarters of the way through, I'm like, oh man, I just messed up today. <laughs> and so I had to kind of regroup. <laughs> so pause is key. Yep. So, uh, Stephanie, I understand that you have recently created an, a self paced online course. Is that out in the world? It is. It's on my website, Hello Hot Flash. Um, We'll include all of those links, but uh, share if you would a little bit. Oh, and you see, we're coming to the end of our conversation, and we I haven't even we haven't even shared our rant about menopause symptoms. I'm not leaving before we do that. I know, right? I was sharing it with someone else, and I'm like, "Isn't that right? Isn't that right? We gotta quit (laughs) symptoms." So to bring everybody up to speed on the backstory of this, when Stephanie and I spoke last. 
we got to reflecting on this idea that menopause is a hormonal shift in a woman's body. And men have these kinds of shifts too, but we're not talking about that at the moment. And in a sense, it's similar to what kids go through in adolescence, right? It's just like this big system overhaul. Is that a kind of a fair way to put it? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so none of us run around saying to our kids, well, you're having adolescent symptoms. Because it has like a whole different connotation, right? Right, right. So how? So what are we doing? I don't know. It's so hard. And the way that it came up for me on another call, actually it's come up twice, because I'll say something like, oh, wait, wait. I was talking to this lady named Joyce, and we said. Yeah. So we, we have to change that narrative. We have to figure out how to do that, Joyce. Yeah. All right. So. Stephanie and I are putting it out in the world for everyone who's listening, and we would love for you to just help share this message. Let's change that narrative. They're not symptoms because symptoms suggest there's something wrong. And there is nothing wrong with us as women. It's just a different phase in our life that we need to honor, respect, love, and lean into because a lot of good stuff comes out of menopause. Like, much more wise. I am much more self-compassionate from to myself, uh, self-compassionate and compassionate to others. I know when to speak up and when to just keep my mouth shut too. So <laughs> it is. It's an incredible time if we lean into it, and it's not symptoms. It's just. It's just. It's a, a good time. A good time. It's just. <laughs> we could. We could call it a journey. Yeah. I don't know. We're. We're going to keep working on different names. But anyway, I cut you off, and I really want you to share a little bit about your online course. Uh, so tell us where to find that, what you cover in that, who it's meant for, all the things. Yes. Again, it's, it's on the website, hellohotflash.com, and you click on course. It is for midlife women who have hit a wall. Like, they don't know what to do next, but maybe they're not ready for coaching, or maybe they're not ready to, to take that next step. They need some information on what this journey should look like, um, how to navigate friendships during menopause. What does this all mean? What is uh, estrogen and progesterone and testosterone? Um, all, the, all those types of questions that we have in our mind, how do we prepare for this long-term journey? What should we be eating? Is our gut uh, um, health important during this time? All of that is in this course. And so there's um, there's work, I hate to say worksheets. What do I call them? I had some <laughs> name I came up with. It was kind of like symptoms. Uh, you need to change the name. Progress sheets um, that you can go through. There's videos and so forth. And then there's opportunities for additional support if they would like. But I, I just kind of looked at, at from talking to women, like stress comes up, gut health, low energy fatigue. How, how should we de detoxify not just the outside, not just the inside, but the outside of our body? What are you washing your hair with, putting on your face, all the perfumes that you're putting on. So all of that is in the online course. Um, and again, they can go to hellohotflash.com and find out more. And we will link all of those in the show notes and in all the places. Um, as always, it is a tremendous pressure, uh, pressure pleasure to <laughs> chat with you. I'm mushing words together. Um, and like one of these days, we have to do this in person for sure. We do. Definitely. Definitely. 
Thank you everyone for walking with us today. Thank you for joining us for today's Walk and Talk. Catch new episodes featuring inspiring guests every week in all the places podcasts live. Until then, I wish you happy trails.